Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the Force. Quotidian of the Force. No, it's Questions of the Force. We got questions. We got A's. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack, here for the Q's, here for the A's, here for your questions, the ones that make us laugh, the ones that challenge us, and uh, the ones that make us celebrate Star Wars even more. 
a great summary of all the questions we have today. We do have a really great and interesting mix, some really fun ones and some ones that are just kind of diving into some of the conversations that are going on about Star Wars, about the Mandalorian, all that great stuff. But as always, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 80,000 yep <laughs> over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone Android Kindle or MP3 player would it work on a Zoom? there's only one way to find out uh, we are continuing to recommend Path of Deceit uh, by Tessa Gratton and Justina Ireland a high republic adventure that uh, other people have read by now we are behind on the books but if you want to be all caught up on the books uh, you can download this uh, free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work on center to reinvigorate our Patreon. We've been making a bigger push on YouTube and Everyone has been extremely kind and supportive in uh, in our goals of, of higher and further faster, uh, to quote Captain Marvel. Uh, this is one thing that is very, very helpful to us, the Audible trial, and uh, and <laughs> and you get a free audiobook. Uh, no, I was going to try to say something really, really from the heart and realize I'm, I'm repeating the talking point. Anyway, just know that it's true. It helps us a lot, and it, it's a free audiobook. Uh, Ken, take the A's from here. I'll take the A's from you, my friend, my brother, my Star Wars friend. Uh, here, here's the deal. We, we've been uh, having these direct asks to help us reach goals, milestones, uh, numbers, subscribers, supporters. It's big for us. Force Center, we'll say this. Force Center ain't going away until it's time. Time for us to go away. <laughs> Physically, <laughs> mentally, spiritually. Uh, but Force Center's going strong in our ninth broadcast season, but we appreciate your support to help us grow. I appreciate the support to uh, just uh, continue to, you know, to help us make uh, the shows that we love. And part of that uh, being possible is is your support on Patreon. Are we both, just, maybe we both just don't know sentences well today, but it's it's, it's <laughs> usually me here. Um, we, we love having you in our community. We love having you in our Discord. And that all happens through Patreon, patreon.com slash Center. And we have, uh, we asked and you answered with a goal. We put a, a monetary goal up there of 1600 and we smashed that. And because of that, we have a special live Star Wars rank that's going to be broadcast, recorded uh, exclusively to patrons. And then from there, it will go public. But you'll get to experience it, interact with us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be big Star Wars ranked. And another big thing we announced recently on the live stream, and it's happening very soon because of all your support, Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast. Finally, we are going uh, into other realms. And Indiana Jones is the first spot it makes a lot of sense. Of course, Dial of Destiny coming at the end of June. And the first episode of Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast arrives Monday, March 20th. This is a Patreon-exclusive Four Center series that eventually will go to the public because we want everyone to hear it. But because of your support, you get to go on the ride with us up the Dial of Destiny with Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast. And you can uh, uh, help us uh, get that out and make it possible by supporting on Patreon patreon.com slash force joseph please take the mic away from me i'm having one of those days <laughs> uh we are both having one of those days uh well we got through some a's let's get back to some cues we've got two questions from twitter and two questions from our patrons on patreon as always we're going to go first to twitter this comes to us from griff g-r-i-f-f -F. we've been on a great run of people who have wonderful names that could also 
be Star Wars names. Mm. Uh, Griff. Uh, Griff could be in, in uh, Gorian uh, Shard's uh, pirate crew, right? <laughs> it could indeed. It could indeed. It's got some Game of Thrones ramifications too. Old Griff, young Griff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is this an old Griff or a young Griff? We don't know what we're dealing with here today. But thank you, Griff, for, for sending in the question. And here is Griff's cue. How do you think the armorer chooses what colors to paint the armor? In the season three premiere, we see the armor forging a new helmet for that child, which she paints a nice blue and teal color, which I've since seen mentioned is the same color as Paz Vizsla's. Hmm, says Griff. Mm-hmm. Do you think she just opens up her paint cabinet and goes, ooh, I'm feeling blue today. That would look pretty. Or is there something more to it? Thanks for everything you guys do. Keep up the great work. I love this question because yeah. it's 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 a hot button question. It's on people's minds. I think they're like hints and clues to answers. But this is what I love when sometimes we don't know entirely the answer. So we can speculate. We can look for context clues and have some fun with it. So I'm looking forward to having some fun with this one, Ken. Uh, Where do you go first to the kind of, we'll we'll get to the specific uh, child's helmet, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I want to go first to the bigger question of how does the armorer choose? And is the armorer choosing? Or was it like, you know, uh, the kid was placed in an order for a deli sandwich and he (laughs) filled out blue and teal? Uh, How do you think the choice (laughs) is made about the colors? I love, I love that. Pickles, check. Cheddar cheese, check. Teal, check. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Um, here's where I go first. Uh, and I'll start first with, it's not a jokey answer. It's a, it's a question, but I also want everyone to realize it's with a good spirit because I love the character of the armor. I love Emily Swallow. I just think we're continuing to learn more about the character and I don't trust everything she says or does. Um, doesn't mean... Um, you know, the character doesn't have great value. So I wanted to this thing of, oh, I'm feeling blue today. That would look pretty. I'm laughing because maybe she does think that and choose it based on that. But then she tells them there's other great meaning to it because she's kind of got a little bit of that vibe to me at times. So like, uh, I'm, this is a decision I'm making and you must follow it because X, Y, and Z. Um, that's where I start. But I don't necessarily think that's, that's the case. I really do think, and you might know, Joseph, with your, your art background, a little bit more of just <laughs> what colors mean, right? And, and what they add up to, and not just red and yellow, and blue, or whatever, make green. See, I don't even know that on the color wheel. Um, but just that, there, that there's some meaning behind it. There's a thematic choice. And, and, and before I pass it back to you, what, the, thing, the thing we talked about on, on the Mandalorian report that I loved about this opening sequence, one of the many things, is, is growing up as a Star Wars fan, the Mandos, Boba Fett in armor, Jango Fett in armor. It's all wonderful sci-fi tech stuff. It was, yes, I know they're built to combat the Jedis, but even that suggests, you know, in a laboratory of a uh, Mandalorian laboratory, let's design, let's get our own version of James Bond Q to design his great weapons to take on the Jedi. But to see it presented in this light, and it's been presented this way with the armor, I think, before, it was it was spiritual. It was traditional. It was uh, as I think we said on the show, like organic versus the the rigid mechanical that some, sometimes is that playing Star Wars. And I love the sequence because of that. So we got to see the end result is this beautiful Mandalorian helmet with tech gear and and screens inside of it, readout screens. But really, it was this beautiful cer- ceremony. So uh, however she chooses it, I, I I'd like to see in the process. Oh, I love seeing the process. I love that that's how the season opened. I think the season has is, is been clear. I think the creators have been clear in interviews of like, this is the season where we're really diving into that question that's always been there of like, mm. what is it to be a Mandalorian? There are a lot of different arguments and visions for that. You know, what might Din choose? Um, so I love starting with this very traditional 
uh, scene of of the essence of of uh, Mandalore of of the armor. Um, and, and to me, it's just the height of space fantasy. Star Wars has always been space fantasy, where it's got uh, a half a foot into sci-fi with the tech, and it's got maybe a slightly heavier foot into the mythic and the ancient, right? Yeah. And tapping into the sort of very real world, the 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 armor that's made, uh, you know, physically by the elements of, you know, the mm. fire and, and a tool wielded by a, a craftsperson and, it is, and it's going to have meaning. <laughs> and then at the same yeah. time, she's, you know, soldering in mystery tech like she's, you know, a teen making a speaker in woodshop and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that it's, that tech is part of it too, but the, even the tech seems mystical, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That it's 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 half, you know, ancient night uh, and half Radio Shack, but it all feels <laughs> mythic. <laughs> That's that, that that is the Star Wars math right there. <laughs> half Radio Shack, half myth. Mm-hmm. Star Wars burst onto the scene. Uh, yeah, so I I just totally agree with you and just enthusiasm a little bit about about the scene and the aesthetic and and uh, I think for me one of the reasons that I like talking about that aesthetic and I'm really glad that you you started there is like. I just feel like I always want to embrace Star Wars from that perspective of a little bit more mythic and the the mood and the meaning is more important than the 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 super specifics which is going to come up in a lot of our questions today. Yeah. Um yeah. In terms of uh, how the the aesthetic gets picked, how the the color or, or even the shape of the helmet, right? Or the visor. Um I think that uh, the armor is rigid. I love the character of the armor. I think that there's going to be a possibility once we know her whole story more to go, yep, you know, this is a story of somebody who wanted to protect her people. And did she maybe go too far? That's yep. that's, a, that's a, a thing we ask ourselves of, of characters in stories all the time. It's a thing we ask of ourselves of what is too far to protect the people we love, mm-hmm. what will we lose of ourselves, all that. But in my opinion, she is a cult leader. <laughs> yeah. And, she might be following the old ways of Mandalore and she probably is religiously following a specific version or interpretation of the old ways of Mandalore. But then you look at these young kids that she finds and they're only getting it from her. Mm -hmm. They're getting ancient doctrine and trusting that it's being filtered through this one person who is telling them the truth. And she doesn't give them the opportunity to go, this is what we believe but there are these other viewpoints. <laughs> Poor Din's out there going, what? Yeah. Um, so uh, I want to give all due respect to the character. I love the character. I'm not criticizing the writing or the acting, but I think she is a cult leader. Um, yeah. And I, that means I think that she implements control. So I think when she is uh, selecting a color design, mm. we're, we'll talk more about the specific helmet. I think uh, she's... Uh, putting meaning into it. And I think sometimes she's abiding by a clown clan or not a clown by a clan or a house. She's abiding by a clown designation. I think she's abiding by a clan or house designation, or I think sometimes she's injecting her meaning of what she wants to communicate to the individual Mandalorian, but where she thinks they are in their journey. There's so much in that first season about her really, uh, giving Din information about where she thinks he is on his path based on his armor, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, at first, it's the the new shoulder uh, mm-hmm. pauldron, 
that is appropriate for what he has accomplished. Then she tells him, well, it seems like you maybe earned your signet, right? Uh, and then when she makes him new armor, it's free of color. I don't, did Din ask for that? Or is that her judgment of like, you're my blank slate. I haven't yeah. decided where exactly I'm going to slot you in. I decided that you have earned the Mudhorn signet, which he does by the end of the, the season and he accepts. But like, mm-hmm. if this, you know, headcanon that I'm spinning is accurate, that the, the hey, you don't have a specific family line to, to remain traditional to. So I'm going to put my meaning on you. I don't know where you're going to end up yet. You're my blank slate. You're my agent. Yeah. Oh, I love all this. Uh, that Yeah. Looking at the armor of, I'm going to put my meaning on you. My meaning on you is is a, a pretty powerful way to look at it. I, I know you and I both are speculating and playing with, with, with headcanon and theories here, but uh, so I'm not saying all that's fact, but, but not at all. Tracks for a lot of things we've continued to learn about her. Uh, it's fact. You and I could have a discussion, and I'm sure we will have discussion on the armor once Morris <laughs> learned of <laughs> of uh, what you do to protect, but how how fear can drive that and and, and can end up hurting more than protecting. Uh, so I love all that, and and I think yeah, the 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 Mando thing of it, other than you know, hey, he looks cool, so maybe he was like no paint, but it just doesn't track with what she's already said that you pointed out. You deserve this. You haven't earned that. Let me give you this. Uh, and also like, hey, no one can miss you. So you're out there in the world and walking around with this and it's bright and shiny and everyone's staring. Uh, you can't even fade in the background. Um, with some like some of the other colors might be able to. So I love all that. I love I love wondering this. And and, and that's a great point. Just to interject real quick, because that is what she literally tells him of like, you, you, you know, you will stand out in the armor I'm going to make you. So maybe that is a part of it of like, (laughs) no, no blending into no, no, you know, muddy forest green for you. Uh, We are going to make you loud and test you that way because to be a Mandalorian is to be hunter and prey. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make you prey by giving you the brightest armor I can. Well, it's one of those questions I've always had is, you know, that, that covert when we meet them, you know, they're, they're in the, shadows they're they're down in the sewers and, and they're hiding and they're pretty understandably maybe bitter about it um and you got you got old din out and about because at some point that was a choice he made right he joins uh, uh you know uh rand's group all this stuff I, a little bit more of the journey i don't necessarily need it in terms of just a fact sheet but how he got there and how she views that like hey we're all in the shadows you go out uh you get the money you raise some funds you kind of you know you do you but also you are us uh, it's 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 fascinating. I don't have any answers to that. I just I just want to learn more about that. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'm yeah. I'm curious to see all the different meaning. You know. But I, I am feel like it, it is tracking with what we know about different Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. That there's a contrast between, between say the armor and Sabine, right? Um, yeah. In some of the Mandalorian episodes, you know, Sabine makes it clear when when Ezra has this <laughs> massive cultural faux pas. Where he's like. Uh, why don't you guys just get a different armor? <laughs> yeah. All the Mandalorians are like, mm, that's right. Uh, <laughs> this is our culture. This is yeah. our family lines. This armor has been in my family forever. So you get all of that sense of of history and honor that the armor has. But then also you get with Sabine, the idea of growth and evolution of it's been in my family forever. It's mine now. So I make it mine with art. Yeah. That's what I think is different with the armor. I don't think the armor is like, yeah, and then go draw on it, kid. <laughs> I think, nope, <laughs> I chose, and this is what it is. Yeah. Which, by the way, we're having great armors. Uh, you know, I look at her helmet, which is just 
undoubtedly cool. So cool. Uh, you know, that, I, you know, her choices in that of, of how to dress the, the kind of the, the, Fur on the shoulders, the, the 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 horns, maybe. I know a lot of people speculate about the connection, maybe to Maul or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know, but but it's like you're putting a lot of thought in this. What is the thought behind yours, lady? Right. And does anybody has anybody else earned a little horn? <laughs> you have, you have earned horn. <laughs> two horns. Yeah, love that. Yeah, so that's really great. Uh, so I think there's a, some big picture thoughts and speculations from both of us. Did you have any other big picture thoughts before we get into the specifics of the the kids' helmet? No, let's go into uh, let's go into the old helmet there. Yeah, so um, I think that that one might have a a connection to Paz Vizsla because mm-hmm. it, it is of a similar color. And um, during our Mandalorian report, uh, our discussion of the first episode, I had been pointing out that it has that that there are flags with a bunch of different symbols. And we talked a little bit about the F that also appears on, on Fett's Mm -hmm. uh, armor and said, Hey, we're not, uh, we didn't dive deep into all those other uh, sigils. Uh, uh, A listener Mandalorian Mark uh, shared a great tweet uh, pointing out that one of the symbols that is on those flags is the uh, clan Vizsla symbol. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think maybe that being present might be more evidence that, that is this a, is this a, a foundling either of blood relation, like actually a Vizsla that's been found, or a foundling that, that the covert rescued or Pods Vizsla himself uh, mm-hmm. found? And not only is he joining this covert, he is joint covert. He's joining the Vizsla. Yeah, no, I saw that tweet. I, I apologize. I hadn't followed the link out yet. Um, and I was watching um, one of Alex uh, Damon's videos, our buddy Alex, uh, about... Um, some stuff and, and, and about the, the, the Vizsla line is definitely, if, if Paz isn't the last, it's definitely been whittled down, right? This mm-hmm. great line. So that the connection there to me could be very, uh, made, made with very much a, a big giant, uh, you know, Mandalorian purpose there, uh, which excites me. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- that's my guess uh, mm-hmm. is that, mm-hmm. th- that he does have some, some connection to Paz or, or the, the clan or the house. Um, yeah, but, well, yeah, uh, yeah, even the way it yeah. was shot, right? Even was that, like, you, that's the reveal of pause in this episode. He, he's kind of he seems rather proud up there. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a Papa Pause vibe, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any other thoughts on this one? Uh, no, other than I just I like we like the ceremony, but I like the look of the helmet too, and I like uh, you know I'd buy one of those. Yeah, yeah, this is so much fun to think about, and to me, it's a little bit of the value of the storytelling that. Uh, they don't tell you everything. They they give you drops. And for all I know, we could get a flashback where where Din says, "I want no color on it." Maybe it is his choice. We'll we'll find out. But for now, it's a it is fun to speculate. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to our next question. This comes to us from Jay Baker. Uh, this is also a Mando question, but going back to the past, uh, Jay Baker says, at the very end of Mando Chapter 13, The Jedi, Din is boarding his ship, and Grogu is looking back at Ahsoka over Din's shoulder, and Ahsoka gets this big smile, half laugh on her face, like Grogu just cracked a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. In your head cannon, what is the joke? May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you as well, Jay Baker. This is a fun one. Ken, did you uh, remark on this moment? during your your watch through i did i i love this question jay though because i never had never looked at it as like a joke or anything i just kind of looked at some some warmth on a but but all that say like i love looking at it this way this is really funny 
Yeah, no, I, I love it too. I I really noted that moment because, you know, the, the first several times I watched that, you caught up in, oh, wow, it's Ahsoka in live action. And I think that episode is great. And then we're finding out Grogu's name and Order 66. Oh, wow. Um, you know, then we find out that he was at the temple, all that stuff. Um, in when I did a rewatch, I was really enjoying just kind of watching uh, where Ahsoka is at and, and, being trying to kind of be a focused on that and i continue to think and i might be proven wrong that she is going through a hard time that she's in a dark obsessive place she is laying siege <laughs> yeah. to this uh awful murderous person with the with information that she absolutely needs i think um i could be totally wrong on this but i think from ahsoka's timeline there's a possibility that the Anakin information is still relatively recent for her. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see how all the timeline craziness goes. Um, but certainly she is still hurting over what happened to Anakin and has no closure there is my vibe. So I really, the, the reason this moment popped to me is Ahsoka does seem like she's, she's still kind. She's still thoughtful. She's still measured, but she's hurting. So when this moment happens, it's almost just like, uh, the effect that Grogu baby Yoda had on the real world <laughs> happens to Ahsoka. It's like, mm. I got a lot of my mind, but okay, he is damn cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like the, yeah. the, the cuteness and the charm and the like, mm-hmm. she'd been so thinking of his connection to Din is, yeah, it's connection is great. It does have value. It is the danger when you're training somebody with a lot of power. Um, and that she's her head is on that, and then she just sees this cute little weirdo clinging to daddy, and she's just like, "Okay, it is charming though, too." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually I like that idea, and, and I have a, a joke pitch for for Grogu, but but I, I like there I reason I, I kept saying warmth, but just like there's something about it, and maybe in what what's going on with her, and I, I definitely agree with you. And until proven wrong, uh, you know, I think she's in it. I think she's feeling it, and he's and when we meet her. Uh, I, I, a ray of sunshine, a, a reminder of of the path she's been on and what it's worth despite all the struggles or what the force in its purest form. She might be looking at just this creature that, that can still be imprinted on and, and how valuable that is. And, and also just that there's some hope. There's just some hope that this all continues in some way. Uh, maybe not like it once was, but that it can go forward in some way. That's big. No, I really like that. I think it, it really is letting herself see see a spark of, of joy. Mm-hmm. I like that idea of that. Yep. The, the force will go on. The light side will go on mm-hmm. no matter what is that. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I really like also the idea that <laughs> he told her like some set up knockdown, uh, you know, knock, knock joke as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm curious. I, I got, I got two joke ideas. Okay. Uh, I'm curious about your joke ideas well, as well. A general one would be there's some kind of, fun jab at din right like i know right he doesn't, doesn't know anything doesn't even know jedi there's something like that going on but uh, i don't even know if grogu would i don't think that's his style of humor but i do think i think you know he's he's a baby especially here but he, he's still 50 plus years i think he smarter than you want to give him credit for he he figure out he knows what's going on okay he knows what he's doing wrong even though sometimes he has to learn those lessons um i think as they're walking away i think he says something along the lines of like hey kiati Monday told me you passed your jedi trials congratulations wink like and i think she's like oh yeah those fools yeah i think it's just a shared moment of 
inside jokes. I love the idea that maybe Grogu saw Kiedi Mundi trip once and it was, <laughs> he ripped his pants and it was really funny and he just tries to project an image of Kiedi Mundi ripping his pants. <laughs> so it fun. Yeah, so that's where I went. That's where I went. Uh, yeah, I thought about the the commentary on Din too because Din is so so present in that right. interaction, right? So there's a part of me like, hey, thanks for telling this fool my name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finally. I was getting sick of being called kid or hey. <laughs> I mean, is it hey? And it's like a kid. My name is Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. So I like that one a lot. This isn't even a, a joke. This is like something uh, that I think an emotion that Grogu might project, uh, but it would have a funny context uh, is mm-hmm. if he had projected into Ahsoka's mind, hey, I hope you get a daddy too. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Grogu wouldn't understand that the word daddy can be taken multiple ways. <laughs> Maybe that's why, you know, Ahsoka understands, like, I understand you're trying to say something nice, but you just said a really weird thing to me, kid. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because it's pure. Pure of energy, pure of heart. Pure of heart. Yeah. Any more thoughts on uh, on Ahsoka's uh, smile, half laugh in response to old Grogu? Uh, no, but I just love that stuff. It's It's part of this fun, huh? Yeah, a lot of great fun speculating. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we got more Mando talk. It is the season of The Mandalorian, so we've got some more of that coming up back in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back with more Q's and A's of the Force. Uh, we're going to go now to questions from Patreon. Uh, full disclosure, uh, we put out a call for questions every couple months um, from patrons. And I generally do try to take them just in the order that they come in. Sometimes, uh, you know, people will, will answer ask multiple questions. So I'll, I'll take one and then come back later. Uh, but these particular ones did come later in, in our list of questions. But they're so of the moment, it felt good to talk about them now. So if you've got a question earlier in the thread, uh, you are seeing we will uh, be taking your question. Just uh, jump into these ones that are uh, really of the moment. Uh, any any thoughts on that, Ken? No, uh, number one, I always uh, appreciate your transparency with these questions. And, and uh, yeah, we want to get that um get that out there. But yeah, no, this is uh, very much of the time, which also means I got to be careful because sometimes my passions can run wild if they're you know the questions are related to things i'm still struggling with myself yes we are i think we are we are qui-gon at the laser gate uh because uh these these questions are are both you know working through some things that that other people are are struggling with uh so we will dive in this to comes to us from anakin crespin hello anakin anakin says hello friends today i'm in need of a little star wars counseling if you don't mind smiley face when it comes to the Disney Plus shows, The Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian are probably my favorite overall, but I still loved Obi-Wan Kenobi with all my heart, and it had some of my favorite Star Wars moments of all time. That said, Andor was great too, and I do have to admit that it did have some incredible writing. But as you know, Star Wars fans are now weaponizing that against the other shows, even The Mandalorian, and that really blows my mind, as I thought The Mandalorian was generally universally loved amongst the fandom. And now, after episode one of the new season... I'm hearing and seeing more comments than ever before about how goofy and childish The Mandalorian is compared to Andor. Obviously, I'm used to people shaming me for what I love. Attack of the Clones is my favorite movie for crying out loud, <laughs> says Anakin. Mm -hmm. uh, but it seems that these Star Wars fans aren't even just going after specific movies or shows anymore, but Star Wars itself. Mm -hmm. Will this eventually fade after Andor Season 2 comes and goes? Or has the narrative about Star Wars changed? And will Lucasfilm feel the need to make edgier content or do you think this is just more of the same discourse that's been happening in the fandom since basically forever thanks and may the force be with you thank you anakin uh thanks for your your honesty and for uh, working through some of your thoughts we are happy uh to try to work through this one ken where do you where do you even begin <laughs> well people used to shame me for what i love too uh, it, was, it was called star wars and it was from about 1983 to 1994 <laughs> for me uh and the reason i said 94 is i graduated high school in 94 and i started at college uh, um, in, in film and video production and i was surrounded by 
movie nerds and um, we watched Star Wars in the class, right? And like, it was fun. And I, I just remember going, oh, I'm not alone, right? And that's something I think a lot of us felt. I think it's better than it was back then, but it's not where it needs to be in terms of uh, just, a, a, you know, understanding what Star Wars can be and is for a lot of us. So I think that's the starting point, Anakin. I think we're there with you on that. Uh, as far as this, you know, you know, I, yeah, because uh, I'm struggling with this. And I'm not struggling with the fact that someone likes Andor more than any other Star Wars thing, because uh, I think that's wonderful. I think especially if it brings people back, uh, for if they left for whatever reasons, by the way, some of those people left in 83, right? <laughs> like they're back. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a great thing. We, we sometimes, I'll admit to it, I want to speak for Joseph, but sometimes I poke a little bit of um, fun at Tony Gilroy because I think there's a bit of an ego bu- bubble around him. I get it. I'm in the entertainment industry. I probably have one too. It's just kind of the nature of it. I just think some of his his stuff needs to be poked a little bit, but but also not necessarily for him, but for what, People take it and run with it and, and into these kind of stuff that Anakin's talking about, right? Um, I, that, so, it, it, yeah, I'm struggling to find the words because I've been in these fights in my personal life. I've been debating people via text. Um, I've mentioned before our great friend Brian Ward once just texted me Andor's for Star Wars fans who are embarrassed about being Star Wars fans. And that's that we were saying that. Uh, and, and by the way, Brian knows I've said, hey, I'm going to say this on the show and I've said it a few times, but I'm not sharing some information and, and he stands by it. But like, you know, that's a general sweep at just the, the people who were using the show to attack the joy there. And, 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 and Anakin, it is different. Mm-hmm. They are different. They're supposed to be different. And that's my starting point. I don't know if that solved anything, Joseph. We're not done talking about it. I, I'm confused because I've yelled at people via text message and I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. That right? No, no, no. I, I think, I think, you know, trying not to yell is, is a great starting point. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think Yoda would be on board on, let's try not to yell. Let's start. <laughs> let's start with peace. Yeah. It, I think it is. It's, it's multifaceted. Um, I think for me, a, a couple of starting points is, Yep, there's a ton more criticism of uh, the Mandalorian and, and very kind of specific criticism that Anakin is uh, calling out of being goofy or childish or too silly, or, you know, all those kind of things. Um, the look of Gorian Shard, Grogu hugging yeah, the Anzellans is, is, hey, we're magically time traveled back to 1983 and it's just the Ewoks are there to just sell toys. That they, They're lazy and they included a Funko Pop moment, right? Some of those real specific criticisms are happening just in general uh, discourse that I see online on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and other social media. Um, I also saw a couple of, you know, outlets that, that do reviews really going all in on those kind of criticisms and all in on those kind of and or comparisons. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's definitely a conversation that's happening. I think for me, I'm trying to take a deep breath and go, uh, okay, there's a, there's a vocal portion of star Wars fans that feel that way, mm-hmm. but I don't want to ignore, you know, all the, all the women who've posted in the last, you know, uh week and a half with Bo-Katan cosplay and Bo-Katan mm-hmm. jokes and, really focusing on that part of it of that character is fascinating what's going mm-hmm. on with that character uh th- the people like uh mandalorian mark who is in there you know saying hey this is my favorite part what what are the sigils what do they mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. uh there is still a lot of love right and and yeah. and, and I, I i don't have the percentages i don't know is it is it 50 percent really don't like this new season and think it's goofy and childish compared to andor is it 10 is it two i don't know so i think we should keep in mind that there is the love there as well 
Yeah, no, that that's that's absolutely right. And and I, I guess just some of the it, it, it I always try to be clear about the four center point of view, but also my own personal point of view, which has changed in just the way we discuss um, media of any kind. Uh, there isn't this um, blindness to any criticisms or not wanting to opposing viewpoints. I just I will refuse to engage the conversations when you're not trying to have a discussion about the differences. You're trying to, uh, you know, uh, just enforce your opinions as fact over me. Uh, and that's where I stand up and just get really grumpy of, 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 I understood I saw one tweet and, and, and this is where I gotta be, gotta be careful. Former coworker. Someone I work with briefly at screen junkies, uh, who's a, who's a, a, a journal, a entertainment journalist. Just absolutely, I Andor has has done this to me, and and Mando no longer does that to me. That could have been the end of it, mm-hmm. right? That could have been the end of it. But then it turned into, therefore, man. Now I can look and think that Mando definitely is not as good, or maybe never was as good, and blah blah blah. And 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 that's just why I, I don't. It's just it's 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 it's, it's so personal. It's so personal and it becomes this competition, becomes this fight. And I always joke, every, not every life is not an episode of movie fights, a show I used to help produce, which I felt helped ruin the discourse. Everything is ding. You got the point. Everything is ding. You won that round. Everything is ha 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 ha. And it's just removed. It's detached people from, I want to sometimes grab some of these people by the, the collars and be like, do you love anything anymore in this? <laughs> I love Andor's, but no, 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 no. What didn't tell me what you love about Andor. Don't tell me what you hate about Mando. And, and, and the reason it bursts out of the walls of Star Wars, because it's ruining, it's affecting our world. Mm-hmm. The way we look at this stuff. You, you, you started me on that path, Joseph. Once you, you said something one day, but I was like, I just kept unraveling it in my head. Um, about competition, the nature of competition, not the competition's bad or athletics are bad, but the way we just have gamified some of it, it's destroying so much out there. And and it does start with this stuff because this stuff is huge. And some people do it so carelessly and some people do it from the inside who I think normally that's part of the process. Normally they they might have a social converse, a point of view uh, on a social issue that I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I love that you're being a little snarky about it against people who disagree, that your tweets are funny. But man, it's Star Wars is no different than that. Right. Like mm-hmm. you don't look down on media discussion because number one, you're part of it too, but don't be like, you're good on one side and then you're not consistent the way you discuss your media. Cause then you're, you're taking out viewpoints. You are refusing to change. You, you, one of my big things is uh, we said in live stream of like, I do not, I, I want to allow, I should say fans now to celebrate star Wars in their way, not my way. Mm. That's my way. And also it, it just from a different time period, I grew up with it differently. You didn't watch the Kenner edits, <laughs> ATAT ad ad debate, that thing. I grew up with that. And that's my perspective. And this is not, this is yours. And, 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 and let's all come together to enjoy this thing. Otherwise, why the bleep are we still here? And I think Anakin, that's, that's what's been driving me crazy last week. It isn't that someone might like Andor more than Mando. Cause guess what? I get it. Mando mm-hmm. has some points for me that don't click as well as other things. Andor has things that move me. But guess what? I think Bad Batch is doing the best of all of them, but that's my opinion. <laughs> and I can't imprint that on you like I'm a Rancor trainer. So anyways, next. Now I pass it back to you, the, the nuclear football, Joseph. <laughs> all right. I will I will uh, attach this to my wrist for, for a moment. No, I, I, I really agree with you. I know we say it a lot. Uh, I understand that particularly in written analysis or sometimes in casual conversation, it's more powerful to just say your your opinion is a statement of fact. I do it too. Uh, but but it really gets into this gray area. I feel like um, 
there, there are a couple ways to react to to analyzing and discussing storytelling of any kind. There's the purely subjective, and you can just be like, I don't, I don't know why. I don't feel like analyzing why. I didn't like that. And like, cool, 100% legitimate because that is your subjective reaction to it. And if you're willing to dig down, we can probably have an interesting conversation. And even if I disagree with you that you, you don't like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, I might learn about you or your perspective if I can try to understand why. And if it's all subjective, then we're golden. And then on the other side is real serious analysis. I am making a theme statement uh, mm -hmm. about this opinion. Here is evidence from the text. Here is evidence from interviews. If you want to pull that in, here is a detailed analytical argument, a persuasive argument for a point of view about the the meaning or the quality of a piece of storytelling. I think those are both legitimate. They are both fascinating. And I think the majority of our conversation is this unproductive mush in the middle mm -hmm. where, uh, where analysis and certainty of opinion of subjective opinion get all entangled in one another and and i think often what what people are, are getting upset about is not that somebody else likes another part of star wars more but that they're being told they are wrong to like something or that the mandalorian is bad or that dave filoni and john favreau are lazy you know mm -hmm. It, uh, those are the things that that get uh, get my dander up at the risk mm -hmm. of almost swearing. Uh, mm -hmm. Get my dander up because it, it is. Uh, I feel like um, this this mush of like if you just don't like it, great. If you want to tell me why you don't like it, great. Um, but please don't insist that it's fact. And if you want to insist that it's fact, let let let's do some serious analysis. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, show me show me your work on the long division of you know your evidence for that take. Uh, anyway, yeah, um, yeah. So so I I think we're we're just kind of we're in an in yet another cycle of that. I do think there's some specifics to this particular the reaction to Mandalorian that are both evergreen and unique to Mandalorian. So yeah. um, do you have uh, any other sort of big picture thoughts before without, we get into some more of the specifics? Without calling out names, um, I'll say this. I, 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 I especially for Center listeners who are here with us on the journey every week um, probably get it. But I think if you're just starting to find us, everything, you know, a couple of times, we've had these kind of conversations a lot lately, even to the point where I've probably said the same sentences. The reason for that is, is, is it, it's still something to deal with every day. And I think, I don't want to again speak for you, Joseph, and definitely not for Jennifer, who's not here to add to it. But it's like, I think in the past, I was a little bit more of, I'll just tip my cap to you and your bleep opinions and you go be you, I'll go be mine. And I got force centered to do that. And over here, we wouldn't necessarily roll up our sleeves as much. But I think lately, at least for me, it's like, it's not fighting back, but it's just like, no, I'm standing up for this, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and for not Star Wars, the brand, the toys, as we said before, the fans, man. And, and those who have been patted on the head. I, and there's some people out there right now tweeting. I went into one of the threads because I was angry. And one of the people was lit, like all, all but put their hand on my forehead and said, isn't that cute? You just love everything in Star Wars. It was last time mm. I talked to this person. And it's 2019. Uh, you know what movie came out that year? And it was that. And it was just like, nah, we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. You don't get to pat my head anymore. Yeah. And, and treat your stuff like fact when you're missing so much. And if you miss it out and you don't want to be moved by this stuff, that's fine. Because there's a lot of other things to, you know, I love you too. You don't need to love you too. I'm going to cry other music. You don't need to. 
Like, that's fine. But don't pat me on the head and say, well, you two does suck. I hated that free album. Like, I, get out of here. <laughs> and I think a lot of that, and by the way, that album annoyed me too. Like, but like, that's, that's, that's a lot of what's going on, what Anakin's feeling. And, and in terms of, so that's the general stuff and the transition it a little bit more here. And feel free to comment on, on more just a bit. Like, yeah, I think we're in this cycle and we all kind of knew this, that from the certain sites or the certain regular bad actors, of course, this was going to be the battle. Mando's here with the silly little toys John and Dave playing with their action figures because of course they are. And, 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 and by the way, that's not fair to Andor other than some Tony Gilroy moments. I don't think Andor with Dewey and Freedy are, are saying the, the playing with the action figures is wrong too. Mm-hmm. Mimic made action figures. <laughs> that's not fair to Andor. When you, get, when you take that approach, like you're hurting Andor just as yeah. much as you think you're hurting Mando. You're hurting model maker Nemec. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think these are these are great points. Uh, and w- we try to caveat away, but we always just want to caveat. You know, we are really talking about the way that we talk about this. If you prefer Andor because you prefer Andor, no problem. Great. You know, there are parts of Star Wars that uh, aren't as much for me and other parts that I love. That That is just fine. As we get into more of this, you know, that is the big caveat. If you have something that's your favorite, that's fine. You know, I think that we're moving into this place where we are getting the, the, the dream of the Star Wars buffet. Uh, many other people have described it lots of other ways, but there's lots of different Star Wars. So if you like a little bit more of the, the you know, grittier, grounded, edgier, if, if Rogue One is your favorite movie and Andor is your favorite show, great. Those are there for you. And if you uh, like it a little bit more weird and mythic and, and pulpy, there are some shows here for you. Uh, and that's only going to increase. Um, and I think there's the, you can approach that with, ah, oh, great, I have lots of options. Or you can extremely focus on the gamified of <laughs> one must win and the good one must be used as a bludgeon against the one that you feel is bad, it, you know? Yeah. that th- Those are choices. So to, to, uh, to Anakin's actual kind of questions here at the end of his request for, for Star Wars counseling is, you know... It, is this going to change Star Wars? Is Lucasfilm going to say there's so much negative reaction to these elements of the Mandalorian and so much positivity about Andor? We're going to keep, we got to keep it grounded. <laughs> we got to keep it edgy. Um, or is this a repetition? Here, here's what I think is one of the factors. Um, I think this is a cycle that will never end. It is a tension that I think keeps Star Wars alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is an endless tension, and that is the tension between the gritty, the cool, the badass, the serious, versus the whimsical, um, the vulnerable, the arguments that, you know, throwing down the saber is better, love is better, family is better, uh, be there for a child, uh, everything kind of on that side of it, everything from those sort of vulnerable emotions uh, to that alien's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. That side of it versus Vader looks cool. Boba Fett looks cool. Their their weapons are cool. You know, Andor's soul is ripped apart. This is tyranny and our faces are being shoved in it. Star Wars has both of those parts going back to the first film. And I personally love both of those parts and feel like they interact and have conversations with one another. Right. But going all the way back to like, not just my childhood, but my very specific slice of childhood. That is, you were cognizant in 1980 
to absorb Empire Strikes Back. I was extremely young when Empire Strikes Back came out, but I still had three years ago. Damn, that movie was brutal. He he told him he was father. He was his father, but only after cutting off his own son's hand. That is so dark. That is so cool. And then you go to Return of the Jedi. And Han's making kind of sillier jokes, and the the big bad impossible to defeat empires is uh, defeated by a bunch of cute teddy bears. Mm. And I'm kind of growing out of teddy bears. <laughs> uh, garbage. Yeah, a, a, a whole slice of generation of that exact slice mm. did not like Return of the Jedi for some of these exact same reasons. It's goofy. It's childish. They're just trying to sell merch, you know? Mm-hmm. These arguments are ancient. They apply to lots of storytelling, but Star Wars has it in internal <laughs> tension because it goes from everything to ridiculously cute and very marketable to incredibly dark and cool. And there's always going to be a tension and, and, and we're at a fault line again. Yeah. I, I love phone, uh, that fault line with Batman. Uh, you could <laughs> probably have a smarter discussion on it than I, but I, my, my, my pal, Matt key and I were talking one day, uh, about just the history of uh, that ain't my Batman goes back to like the beginning of Batman. <laughs> it just goes through. Oh, and I just yeah, and it, it is happens to James Bond too. You know, right. James Bond has been gone back to his gritty roots in the movies four or five times. You know, yeah, and it and it's took the cold and everything. So yeah, it's a point, Anakin. I don't know. And as far as, I think we're just in that time. And as far as it changes, Lucasfilm, I don't. You know, like any creators, any company, they're going to look at some feedback. They're going to, I, I know these companies pay attention and, and, and that doesn't necessarily, that, but it doesn't mean uh, they, the JJ then goes into Reddit and writes down a list of things he needs to do to make everyone happy. That's not a thing, but you know, how they make them or, all right, wh- wh- who reacted to what? Uh, Favreau had some stuff recently of, no, I love the social media stuff or going on, the, it's getting your report card. All that stuff is is there, but I don't think, None of these folks, they're professionals, they're artists, and have been their whole life. They're creators in the true sense of the word. So I don't think anything's going to push them off of their path of doing what they want to do. Yeah, they're going to look at some things and go, all right, how we presented that might, how we marketed that. I don't know. I think I think you can expect that. But I don't, I don't necessarily think, because I, I just don't think Andor was created despite my sometimes half smile, Tony Gilroy, which again is mine. I'm not speaking for Joseph and Jennifer here. Um <laughs> I don't think it was designed to be edgy. I think it was taken that way. I think the other things that when you heard Kathleen Kennedy describe it, of like, wow, this show is, this is something like it go. And everyone going, you've not, you've not seen this before is only the way it was presented. Uh, and it, and it was presented differently. It was different. It was unique. And I enjoy it for that. I love it for that. There's parts of these, the, you know, gosh, circus stand never more than 12 is, one of my favorite moments as a Star Wars fan. Um, so it's all there, but I don't think necessarily they were like, all right, let's start this in a, um, uh, you know, it starts in a, in a, in a, a bar, a brothel, whatever, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's get dark. I don't think they were that. I think they were just tell your story, Tony, tell the story you want to tell Diego as a executive producer, tell your story. And the reaction to it might make them go, all right, we can tell more stories like that. But they also know the other side. They're launching Star Wars Kids, the Young Jedi Adventures. They understand that Star Wars is huge beyond their comprehension. And you need, you need all of it. And, you know, 
Leslie Headland's coming up the batter's box very soon with a series. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people excited for exploring the dark side Sith. And I, you know, I don't know if she's going to explore it the way a lot of people want her to. She's going to explore it her way and it's going to connect with the people who see it that way and are moved by it that way. And that's going to be a, that's going to be, we're going to see this again. I think in that, in that regard, I'm uh, that I cannot wait for that series, but I don't know if it's going to be Revan 2.0. Yeah, no, I think it's going to have a, my guess is it is going to have a different perspective. You know, we want the creators to put something of themselves in it so they feel unique and honest, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine Leslie Headland's going, let me tell the story about a dark, oppressive energy that <laughs> that tries to control everybody. And let me celebrate that. Um, but I, I already know some people who just think that series is going to be that way. So we'll see. It's going to yeah. it's going to go on. And and the only reason I get more and more grumpy about it is I just I just I do see it. The patterns repeated in the quote unquote real world. But that's my point. Star Wars, pop culture, this movie business, the TV business, it's the real world. And how you look yeah. at it is also how you look at the real world. I think so too. I, I think that um, with Mando in specific and with just being able to get more Star Wars, there is also the new factor. So, you know, hey, hey maybe by the time Acolyte comes out, there will just be enough Star Wars and it won't be necessarily, there'll mm-hmm. be too many to do as many one-on-one comparisons and mm-hmm. slot them into the good and the the, the bad camp. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there is this instinct, you know, in some amount of fandom, again, we don't know the percentages to play the comparison game. Um, we all know that there's value in clickbait. I clicked on two articles that I knew I was going to disagree with because I wanted to see well, what's the perspective, what's the argument. They got me, you know. Yeah. Um, and they know there's value in that, right? That which is just it is it is Yoda on Dagobah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, light side, dark side. You know, in terms of getting clicks, the dark side is quicker, easier, more seductive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely, there are some fans who have this, you know reject reaction to mando but we also know that we're in this era where um th- we, we want to play the comparison go- game mm-hmm. and i think to anakin's point that it, it seemed like the fandom loves mandalorian right um mm-hmm. it, to me it's important to look at, at context everything these these patterns repeat but they're also unique um when mando was new mm-hmm. It was the good thing. And for people who wanted to play the comparison game and, and didn't like the sequels and or didn't like the sequels at all or really loved Last Jedi and didn't like Rise of Skywalker, the <laughs> uh, various coalitions of, of people who didn't like Rise of Skywalker, Mando was the new thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that is part of what made Mando powerful. I remember that first season when we get to uh, chapter five, The Gunslinger, and he just doesn't have his Ambin pulse rifle when on a mission where it would be real useful. Mm-hmm. And I was distracted by that. I was trying to articulate, like, if there was something like that in Rise of Skywalker, there would be one billion articles about it. Mm-hmm. And no one seems to care. And I had to really clarify, like, I don't want people to be mad at Mandalorian. I want them to be more open yes, <laughs> to Rise of Skywalker. Yes, and, yes, and, yes. And, and here we are all these years later. And, and and we are down to the, you know, it, it isn't the shiny new thing. Now it is uh, the ancient <laughs> mm-hmm. the season three carcass to be picked apart in Andor is, you know, the good thing to mm-hmm. contrast it with. So I, I think some of it is evergreen. I think some of it is specific. I also think, you know, season two of Mando is kind of unique in that it did it it did blow people's minds. Uh, with the amount of, oh, hey, Boba Fett's back. Cobb Vanth, the guy from a book here. Ahsoka in live action. 
they can't bring Luke back. They brought Luke back. Some people really didn't like that. Um, yeah. But also, Mando season two, let's just not forget the context of, hey, what were most of us doing when that came out? <laughs> mm. uh, trying to survive a global pandemic. Mm. Um, that, I think, is a factor, too, of, of people not bringing out any... Uh, any knives for Mando then because it was a gift <laughs> at the time it came out. So I, I do think there are specifics that matter as well. Yeah, no, there absolutely is. And I, I got a, kind of excited when you said something there, cause I think it, it just, it's the way I feel about a lot of things of, of, um, and I, I'm guilty of it too, of, of, of season one of Mando. I struggled with a little bit more. And again, there's some beats in the show that I always, ah, yeah, here and there and there. But the one that I have to be honest, it was like, cause I knew, Come uh, Wednesday morning when I woke up, I was going to get a bunch of people I know sometimes had to work with tweeting. See, this thing did what Rise of Skywalker didn't. And maybe that's true. But my point is what you're saying of like, but did you stop and try to dig into Rise of Skywalker? Because it never sounds like you did. Or even Last Jedi. Name anything. Doesn't matter. Um, I, I, the, the journey of the space whales is my version of that. Where I went, I was one of those ones of like space whales. The, the reason was... It was like Filoni, and again, Dave has never said this unless he's scribbled it on the bathroom wall at Lucasfilm in, in, in paint. And, you know, Filoni is God. He, he's never said that. But a lot of people had that attitude. So it was like, we need more of him in uh, these silly uh, sequel movies. And I, and I would be like, he's got floating space whales. I guarantee <laughs> you, if that was in Last Jedi, you would burn it to the ground. And and from there, my understanding of space whales, my appreciation, how they factored into Rebels, and now here they are in Mando and there's some, there's like this weird pushback to Dave and his dumb space whales. Where, <laughs> like, what's what? And it just gets confusing to me. It's confusing. And then, and, and then when it's held over you, sorry, you set me on that thread, the, 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 the trade, the, the, the train of space whales, the journey of the space whales, <laughs> and how people use that and discuss that is, is baffling to me. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. The best, the best. I, I think to me, it, it does go to that ongoing, tension that we talked about at, at the top and, and, and I own it. I I've had some parts of my life where I was, you know, it was part of my kickback to, to Phantom Menace is I wanted it to be heavy and emotional. And I liked the things that were heavy and emotional. They're cool. And I didn't like the things that were a little, a little bit more cute or sillier for kids and, and all that kind of thing. And I think that tension is just, it, it it's always going to be a battle and there are things, there are, character designs there are jokes that are like eh, that's not for me mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i don't immediately that's not a, a ding for me of like and this show is bad like that moment is not for me i i mm-hmm. din is a dad now and he can make dad jokes and that is a part of his character it's never going to be my favorite part i didn't like that that's using your head you know yeah. uh, but i'm not going to uh write a million articles about why the show is <laughs> terrible now i'm going to accept that that part isn't for me um mm-hmm. i did want to the comment on one uh, talking point I saw like in an article uh, uh, that really made me Mm -hmm. think of another way to look at this is, uh, is I think it is always fine if you don't like the more whimsical or the more super pulpy weird side of Star Wars go, eh, that's not for me. Uh, That's fine. But there is that, that don't deny that it's there. That's what, that's what gets on my nerves. Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 if it's not for you, if, if Gorian Shard looks like a, a mixture of a Swamp Thing and Pizza the Hut and, and you're out, bless you. you. We all have taste. That's fine. Walk away. But acting like he's new 
right, right, right. is is just uh, not reckoning with Star Wars, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what's going on with this this third season. We'll see how the rest of the season goes because I think we're going to have some real cool action scenes. Um, mm-hmm. But the Mandalorian show did start off a little harder edged, right? Even with Grogu's cuteness, right? Um, the story of the Mandalorian is that Din Djarin was in a rigid, defined, closed off space. He's opening up. He Mm -hmm. is getting more emotional, more vulnerable, opening up to his connection to, to Grogu, being a father. Everything that's going on in the galaxy, we're told repeatedly in the Mandoverse, is about saying, can we put the war and the horror and the terror behind us and build something better? Build something that's about peace and prosperity. That is a Garza Fwip's speech in uh, in uh, Book of Boba Fett, right? About we're not in the, the fighting pits anymore. We don't need this. Let's move on. That's, mm. that's Boba Fett's, you know, saying like, let's, let's make Tatooine a better place. It doesn't have to be like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's going on very explicitly in Mandalorian. And now I'm getting to the, my point of what, what was in this article. Mm-hmm. I saw an article that was, you know, having a lot of the criticisms that we're talking about. And one of them said, Navarro, I guess, looks better because it doesn't look like it's on the volume, but it, it didn't look like a gritty spaceport. And like, mm. yeah, it didn't look like a gritty spaceport because the entire point of the story is it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grief Karga and the citizens there have moved heaven and earth to make it not be most Eisley. It's a town. It's a community. Grief Karga has built that place. So it's like you're walking through an advertisement for a resort town that needs to sell condos. Mm-hmm. That's the story. And it's not subtle. And yet here was a review going... It's it's really it's a really bad design because it didn't look like a gritty spaceport. Like it's the point that it doesn't look like a gritty spaceport, and that's the ones where I have to go just take a deep breath because it's totally fine if you don't like it. It's totally fine if you're like I like Star Wars when it's a little bit more gritty and everybody's having a hard time. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is. In this show, is not being subtle at communicating that. Yeah. It's so that's like please. Please engage just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you like Star Wars, it's uh, gritty and full of themes. I have the show for you. It's called Bad Batch. And I think you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Bad Batch is so, so, so good. Yeah. 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 Look, my final thought is the, the, it's changed for the years. And that's one of the things too, Anakin. The, things have changed. And the balance, uh, not the balance, but like just looking at the bigger picture of the world and balancing that with discussing pop culture. It's just, there's a lot, of, it's not that there's more important things to discuss, but it just matters how we discuss it um, and, and how I take it and tolerate it. And, and back in the day, it used to be like, I just had an enchilada for lunch and it was great. And my friend would be like, I like pizza better. And we'd fight over that and we'd laugh. And we'd both go have pizza and enchiladas. Um, then that turned into that person going, you had an enchilada for lunch? Well, like, I like pizza better. Okay, great. And, and pizza is the only lunch to have. Okay, but I had an enchilada. And now it's like, we I kind of go in my corner and right, you have your pizza. And it's, now it's like, you come to me with that? I go, F you. I'm having enchilada. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I'm talking about it. There's too much going on to yeah. me to worry about how much you like pizza more than enchiladas. Uh, go in your corner. I'll go in mine. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, gets, that, that's where it gets grumpy because it shouldn't have to be like that. Yeah. 
So always a journey to share opinions, be honest, our opinions, argue for our opinions in our, our perspective without, you know, tipping over into the dark side. Uh, Anakin, thank you for asking us uh, for some Star Wars counseling. So I think uh, in an attempt to summarize some of our counseling, you're not alone. It is it's hard and frustrating when when people kind of continually push back on the more whimsical, the more pulpy side of Star Wars. It's hard when people want to weaponize one part of Star Wars against each other, not in a deep analytical way, but in a just kind of quick, rude, demeaning way. Yeah. Uh, those things are really hard, but I think they are just there. They are a part of the discussion. Biggest counseling for me is they are not all of the discussion. I got this question and then I saw that that very funny TikTok that's going around of uh, of did Bo-Katan hear Din's mm-hmm. ship coming Mm-hmm. And then, and then bows on her throne in what I'm calling her sweatpants energy. Of yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. There are people engaging with this who are seeing all sorts of different aspects, all sorts of different uh, parts of it. Um, I do think it's significant that that we look at there are some really intriguing women characters like Bo-Katan, and, and look at the amount of women in the fandom who who aren't having these conversations that we're talking about, but are engaging with the the characters, right? Mm-hmm. All the people like Jennifer Landa who love the creatures, who love the whimsical and in the the uh, you know heart touching stories about making a better choice to be there for someone else in everything that's in the Grogu story. That stuff is happening too, and I think sometimes we just need to to seek that out to try to um, make ourselves uh, feel better about some of the rougher discourse. Absolutely. Find your people, have enchiladas and pizza. That's our lessons. <laughs> and we're getting real hungry. It's almost <laughs> lunchtime as we record, so we're going to go into our last super easy question <laughs> about totally non-controversial issue of timelines in Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. This comes to us uh, from Brian Babcock. Brian Babcock. Brian says, hello there, Joseph and Ken. With all the hullabaloo about time frames in Mando, I thought I'd ask you about another one in the Book of Boba Fett. I'll start by saying that I absolutely love Book of Boba Fett and have probably rewatched it the most out of all the Disney Plus series. So this is by no means a critique on the show. My question is, how long did Boba Fett actually spend with the Tuscans? I always assumed it was five years from him escaping the Sarlacc during Return of the Jedi to finding Fennec during The Mandalorian. However, the end of the first episode has him prove himself to the Tuscans. The second episode has them attack the train, then ends with him becoming part of the tribe. The third episode starts with him going into town to negotiate with the Pikes about their safe passage through the Dune Sea. We see the Stormtrooper helmets mounted on spikes, which means this is sometime after Return of the Jedi. That's where the timeline gets iffy for me. Mm-hmm. If Boba spent years among the Tuscans, did it really take years for him to arrange to meet with the Pikes? This would also mean it took years for the Pikes to attack them. Or did Boba spend a couple years for the tribe before becoming a part of it, stuck wearing the same acid-burnt, unwashed gray jumpsuit? Mm. I feel the most likely explanation is that Boba spent a few weeks to a few months with the Tuscans. Then after the tribe was massacred, he wandered the desert alone for years until coming across Fennec left for dead. However, even that seems odd that he'd wait that long before even attempting to get his gunship back. Anyway, since you both mentioned that you completed a rewatch of Mando and Book of Boba Fett before season three of Mando started, as did I, since it's somewhat fresh in our minds, I thought this would be fun to speculate responsibly and come up with an unofficially official Force Center timeline for the show. <laughs> Thesis, please, says Brian. Uh, thanks for reading, and may the Force be with you. Uh, this is really fun. We, we, we've touched a little bit on some of the back and forth with uh, 
with uh, Favreau having quotes and then clarifying quotes and then headlines about clarifying his quotes about clarifying. Uh, mm-hmm. I think um, we were talking off air um, and you said something that I think was a great way to encapsulate it. Like this stuff is incredibly fun to speculate on. It's really fun to speculate on the timeline and go, wait, if they did that, how long then? And then how long were, was the character doing X? And then this goes down to like, the fun speculation is, does the Falcon have a bathroom? Does your body just not have to go to the bathroom in hyperspace? This is fun to speculate. Yeah. And this is in this category where you said it really well, where it's really fun to speculate as long as it doesn't get weaponized. And the fun speculation turns into, and here's evidence of why, you know, John Favreau should be um, put in Star Wars jail. Yeah, yeah. The Favreau's sitting at his laptop drooling on the keys going, I don't know how to do this. The guy who wrote Swingers, I don't know how to do this. Like, like that's, yes, yes. That's yeah. it. So we are going to embrace it fully in the spirit of this is fun. This is, uh, you know, a part of Star Wars that has always been fun to talk about. Maybe you maybe you find it wonky, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the timeline in, in Empire. Maybe you find it wonky that uh, everything in Rise of Skywalker could happen in 16 hours. Uh, my uh, reaction is, welcome to Star Wars. The timelines are wonky. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and for me, as long as it doesn't turn into, and this is evidence of why this creator is bad at their job, mm-hmm. um, or why you shouldn't like this enchilada, uh, then it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I think we're coming at it from a non-weaponized perspective. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Ken? Well, it's funny. As we're talking, I'm looking at one of the posters I have in my room is The Two Towers from Peter Jackson's adaption, uh, adaptation of Lord of the Rings. Talk about a movie that goes, hey, it's long, but we're not telling you that it's 18 months. You know, <laughs> you got to figure that out through clues or times or, or, you know, also the stories don't stop off in that way. I, 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 I'll say this on the day this all broke that the whole timeline thing. And that's a whole nother discussion that we kind of had already here. But um, I was texting uh, uh, friends of mine, uh, uh, shout out to PJ and Paul. And, and this kind of came up and I, my reaction was like, huh? Yeah. I mean, I know the book of Boba Fett timeline already seemed to have some time built into it. I, yeah, I didn't take, I didn't take it out as two years, right? This is the two years conversation. Uh, uh, all right. And that's kind of where I went with it. Cause then it's fun to roll up your sleeves and figure it out. I think the big um, leap and, and to start this part of the discussion, Joseph, I think the big leap is how long was he in the Sarlacc? Mm. Um, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that was that, that afternoon. I don't necessarily think it was that. And then you got you got to factor in, you know, aftermath and Cobb Vance story. And again, um, so that's what started. And then one thing about the Favreau of it all, or just anyone writing it, I just, I, as an audience, I, I'm, I'm the last to question when it happens, whether it was Empire, how long he was there, uh, how long did it take King Robert Brathian to march up on the King's Road? 30 days, but I, I, I didn't pay attention to it. You know, like I, I know I have to admit, I just don't engage with that as much, meaning like, Oh, I just go like this. Oh, I didn't think about that. Um, so that's my starting point on it. So I, I think Favreau's writer probably is like, and this happens, and I want this to happen, and this happens, and we ha- how how long are we playing with? Five years? Oh, okay, yeah, somewhere in there it happened. I think I really honestly think that's again. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to put that there as fact. I'm not in the room with him. But you know what I mean? Like it just has that vibe to me. Of like I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's Star Wars. Have fun. He just he goes on this journey. So that's where I start with it all. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you um, about that approach. I don't, I don't think, but I disagree with you about about Boba Fett. Yeah, <laughs> Sarlacc. I don't think he was in there that long because he, you know, he's going to be running out of uh, out of oxygen pretty quick, right? Um, yeah, no, that, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I guess my point. I guess I wonder when did the stormtroopers get in there? Maybe they were cleaning I, it up. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, I think he gets out pretty relatively quickly. 
um, or else he'd be he'd be dead most likely. Uh, but then you get into, you know, I'm sure the Jawas and the Tuscans were watching for a while. Like anybody coming for this? Anyone? All right. Anyone? Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into, uh, we'll get into all the details of, of the timeline, but that's where I absolutely start. I first for myself, um, I like knowing times. I like getting into it. I particularly like oh. knowing times when, when like a visual dictionary comes out and like, okay, great. Partially. Cause I like calculating how old is this character? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And how old do they look in comparison to how old's Bo-Katan? Damn. Um, compared to Obi-Wan? Oof. Oof. Sorry, Obi. Um, that stuff is fun for me. Um, and also just rem- trying to remember like, okay, who who is what age at what time? That stuff is great. Yeah, totally. Um, other than, than that, for me, I start this period of, of the Mandoverse by taking the largest boulder-sized grain of salt that I can imagine, and I take that five-year timeline with that. Yeah. I don't think the creators, other than some of Favreau's sort of recent comments about, it's been about this amount of time, whatever. I don't think the creators have ever shown any great interest in hyper-defining that The Mandalorian, the television show, when he when he gets the mithril, that is uh, five BBY period exactly. They've always said it's five ish years, right. and we've all latched onto that because we're we're fans and we like to know, right? Yeah. Uh, but but it's when the fans and, and the press have pushed them. They're like, yeah, five ish. It, it's floaty and it's meant to be, right? Yeah. Um, this it, lots of parts of Star Wars are written differently, right? With different mm-hmm. emphasis. The Mandoverse is written with an emphasis on myth. Things happened in eon ago or after the passage of seven moons right. <laughs> or after many trials. You know, how long did it take Quill to train IG-11? Uh, in, in, until the job was done is probably the timeline that Quill would quote you, right? Yeah. And everything in this show is written from that mythic, perspective so that's how i begin the whole thing of like it's fun as fans to try to lock it down and look at context clues uh but but what matters is how much time passed for the with the character in this emotional state Mm -hmm. with the character longing for this or the character having this or the character striving for this that's what matters about the time that's passed to me Mm mm-hmm uh, absolutely great way to look at the the mythic nature of it, it to me and i don't mean to suggest that i know you're not either but like that any of these creators including george himself are like eh, none of this matters no it matters you want to tell a story that but 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 that's not why we're putting pen to paper luke's training on dagobah how long did it last as much as we needed it to last that's not a, that's not a wash washing away of the the logic and reason it's just that's the way the story was told and and that's okay and i've just always found it on that level yeah me too. But but if we take it uh, with a giant boulder-sized grain of salt, that eh, we're talking about five-ish years from, from mm-hmm. the end of Return of the Jedi to the beginning of the era of the Mandalorian, the Mandoverse, uh, let's, let's account for Boba. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go through this. I'm really uh, curious uh, with, with your timeline thoughts. So uh, where do you, you, you got Boba in the Sarlacc for, for how long? Uh, I mean, you're, you, you, you know, you kind of got me convinced it happened. There's just, there's a quote with Fennec that makes me think he's in there longer than we think. But I, I also think. He says, I was trapped there all those years ago, right? All those years ago, right. 
right? So, so we that, do know that it's years from his perspective yeah. that have passed, but I don't think he, he's not saying I was in there for years. He's saying I was oh. trapped there years ago. So from that note, so, so, so the escape happens relatively fast. Got that from Jabba. I still think, I think he's, I think he's found rather quickly by the Tuscans. I think the time uh, from being a prisoner with the Tuscans to, to emerging and, and getting the lizard in his nose. I think all that to me, that's a meat of the time. That That's like a, a year or two. Mm. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that his entire time with the Tuscans is at minimum a year, uh, maybe two, maybe a year in, in chain, mm-hmm. in, in change. Um, but nothing in those events. Yeah. I, I think that like, like I said, I think the, I think he gets out of the Sarlacc relatively quickly. I think the Jawas and the Tuscans are like, <laughs> yeah, this, this is a good one. Is, is, you know, is another hut coming along? Like, no. Okay. All right. Yep, um, yep. We'll, we'll pillage this. Um, I think that he proves himself to the tribe relatively quickly. I, I think that there is a, it's possible that not a ton of time passes between episode one and episode two in terms of his relationship with the Tuscans. Right. I do That's think right. a chunk of time passes from when he tells the Pikes, uh, at the train mm-hmm. to walk back into town, go back to uh, Obadiah tell their bosses what the thing is, what the new deal is. Mm-hmm. I think, I think a good amount of time passes in between his, his trial. And when we see him set off to go collect payment, I think he gives them at minimum a month. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I yeah, I was taking that to be a little bit longer. Yeah, you're right. Cause they're also, you get a sense from the head pike voiced by, by Phil Lamar of, of, mm-hmm. of um, that they, you know, Hey, this is, they, the service has been happening for a bit and they're not happy about it. We're, we're, you know, we're being double charged by these two parties or whatever it is. Yeah. That that's even more time too for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're not talking years, but like, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit. No, but it's not like, it's not like the next day. It's not like, Hey, I, I, you know, passed this, you know, this dream quest, this initiation. Mm -hmm. Um, and then tomorrow (laughs) I'm going to go collect. I think he's been with that family for, a little bit of time there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Now I know the wrinkle in this that, that uh, people might be thinking of is, is it is it, when he goes into town to negotiate with the pikes and try to collect payment, uh, we see those stormtrooper helmets uh, on the spikes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I think they're being placed. Uh, mm. So I think that might lead some people to think uh, that this is happening really quickly after return of the Jedi. But for me, it's like, that could be after Jakku, mm-hmm. you know, a year later, that could be those group of stormtroopers are a remnant who came in trying to take most Eisley back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they effed around and they found out. And that is something that was put up two years, you know, mm-hmm. after, um, a- after the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, go. I think going into Mandalorian, that that shot was used uh, a lot in the promotion of it. I would have been mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's the day of, right? That scene we see in the Return of the Jedi special edition, they're they're putting those heads on spikes. But I I think no, now seeing Mandalorian and Moff Gideon and him still having stormtroopers, the client, that that to me, there could have been anywhere along that timeline up until the point Mando walks into town for the first time. Like, yeah, I agree with you on that. The, the stormtroopers were still out and about. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that's the only thing that to me really sort of locks it in. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that locks in exactly when did <laughs> the people of Mos Eisley put those helmets on spikes and why. 
where do you go from there? If he if he spent a year to two years with the Tuscans in your mind, uh, floating on that, um, then how do you feel about the, where he spent his time until finding Fennec? Uh, I I think he wandered. He's at least forty days and forty nights through that desert. I think it's a bit, but I, I but it's got to be. But now we're looking at years to to, to sync up with Mando. Mm-hmm. That's why I spent. I think he spent a lot of time. And and again and again we're having fun. Grain of salt conversation. I know it that the, he learns of that train thing pretty early. It seems like right. That's the presentation. Hey, I'm part of this now. What's go? Oh, this is happening. Uh, let's help you on that. So I think there's that's why there's a lot of time in the gray jumpsuit. <laughs> Up until that moment. Uh, I mean, he's still in the gray jumpsuit there. But um, I, I do think a lot of times some of the family, and I, I think he wanders. I think he wanders by himself until he thumbs on a Fennec, which, you know, maybe there's a, does, he wants to get his ship back, but when does he determine that? Uh, does he want to? Maybe he's in this, I don't need it anymore. I'm on my bantha. I don't know. I think there's some time in there. Yeah. I think that there is some effort in the show to communicate he has been thinking about getting his ship back for a long time because he comes there with his bantha mm-hmm. um he he watches everybody all, all the guards coming and going and he, he says something along the lines of to the bantha not today still too many guards right yeah yeah not today yeah so i yeah. think there is in in the show a suggestion that he has been watching and mulling over getting his ship back for a while um this is a little bit more headcanon for me i do think that most of his time is distraught and despondent, wandering the desert alone, living off the land, a long, dark tea time of the soul. Yes, um, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, and it, it, I, I could see an argument being made of, like, the show could have shown that better, and it'd be like, yeah, if that is the truth, and the, maybe, yeah, maybe the yeah. show could have shown that better. I agree with that. But for my, for my headcanon of, like, it's not like he, you know, buries, not buries, um, burns, uh, uh, you know, and, and mourns, and then he's like, okay, got to get my ship back. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. have, have a ritual for the passage of my murdered family. And then tomorrow, back to business. Yeah. I think he's despondent. Mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, alone and horrified and upset and wondering what's next. And then decides, no, nah, I, 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 I'm, I'm alone in the desert thinking through my life and... What did I have with the Tuscans? What did, how is that different than what I had before mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. idiots sent me to get killed? Like an idiot that got my dad killed, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to be that anymore. How can I, okay, I'm ready. I want, I want my stuff back, but he's feeling weak. He's feeling alone. He's feeling honest that he can't without his armor, take the number of guards there. And he expresses that pretty clearly to Fennec that yeah. I want my ship back. Mm-hmm. And I want my armor back, but I used to think ev- ev- everybody was, you know, on their own, but it takes a tribe. And he's basically saying like, I need you. I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I think there's, that's part of what's going on with the character of, of, of that tragedy of the Tuscans happens. And he's not like, great. I need to go be Boba Fett as I knew him as maybe the galaxy knew him to get revenge on this. I think I have that in my heart and everything, but it, uh, shock trauma, and how did how do I do that? I he that that's where the big change happens, right? Are those things he's telling Fennec is not, doesn't wake up the next morning with him. He might have yeah. the impetus in his heart to make some kind of change. He's already feeling something different, 
But but then when you you know who knows maybe he does wake up gets on the bantha and charges over to Jabba's palace. I'm gonna get my oh whoa, whoa I can't do it. That's I got to think about this. Like maybe that's how it starts. But I do think that takes a while. I think so too, and and I think you know maybe it could have been done better, shown more clearly. But I think that is why that explicit line of showing him wanting his ship back and feeling like he can't get it. Um is is in that episode where he then finds Fennec and asks for her help. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I agree. I agree. It, some of it could have been made more clear, but I, I think there's some lines in there that were put in there to try to add clarity, but I think it's hard when you're dealing with Star Wars, not just Star Wars fans, not saying that snarkily, but like, you know, we're all super hyper aware of these timelines anyway. So, you mm-hmm. know, if that's, if, that, if that's one of the sins, maybe it, maybe that is, maybe that's the sin, you know. Um, you didn't provide the scroll with all the detailed information on it, but you, I do think, cause you're highlight, I do think there were some words and sentences and moments in the shows designed to explain this took, this took a while. Yep. Yep. This took a, a bit. Um, yeah. Er, earlier I said five BBY and I would, uh, I, now I'm imagining getting lots of tweets. I, I was saying that is a grossly inaccurate number. I realized that was a grossly inaccurate number for when, uh, the Mandalorian might start, um, <laughs> this, is, this is the fun of timelines um i think for me the final sort of interesting thing about the whole discussion you know brian's got this great question about about boba fett's timeline mm-hmm. that we're having fun speculating on uh but then there's that whatever the amount of timeline is that that din and grogu were apart it, it seems what's important to favreau is that it was a significant chunk of time and neither of them are doing well you know mm-hmm. Um, and then I think people are trying to line that up with Boba Fett. I don't think there's anything that says Boba Fett, it, you know, and Fennec have their adventures with Din, uh, helping him get back together with Grogu uh, per their deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that says they go do directly to the palace. Right, right. Like they could have a couple adventures. They could be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, getting more armor, uh, not armor, armaments um, to take mm-hmm. out Bib, you know. So I think there is some wiggle room there, too. I agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. Any other uh, timeline Boba Fett thoughts for you? Uh, not right now. I haven't just rewatched it. Um, yeah, I get I get some of it. And, and Brian asked this question with such a good heart, good spirit. It's fun to try to discuss. And, you know, also testament to how much time we spend with this franchise. <laughs> it is indeed. And I understand. I remember uh, when... Uh, the creator of Breaking Bad uh, declared that uh, all of that had happened in a very short time period. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's not the way I experienced it. I think that just happens sometimes of like, you know, the way we as an audience experience something, it it either feels very immediate or like, no, that person could have gone through that, (laughs) all that in one year or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, Again, sorry for always mentioning Game of Thrones, but I mean, there's some scenes that are back to back that are months apart and I just never thought of it. Never thought of it that way. What, what's going on in Essos doesn't line up over here. It just lines up. It's it just, it's just, if, if it's good television, it pulls you in, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for the very fun question, Brian. Uh, thank you for uh, letting us speculate on how much time Boba spent with who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing what? Actually, Ken, I do have one more question for you. If Boba did spend a good chunk of time alone, uh, would you want to ever have like Boba in the Bantha adventures? Do you think that they do you like that? It's kind of like there's room to tell some yes. nomad Boba Fett alone in not doing great stories. Well, yes, but you know what the answer is. It has to be a little golden book. <laughs> <laughs> Only way I'll think. 
It has to be a little golden book or like a, a side quest in Red Dead Redemption type thing yeah. where he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to go hunt this specific kind of lizard. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, look forward to the little golden book of uh, Boba and the Bantha. Boba and the Bantha. All right, we are done with our Q's and our A's, but we do have a Power of the Light Side segment. Uh, This is something that's also available on our Patreon. Just scroll down, you'll find a post. Uh, If you'd like to share a Power of the Light Side uh, submission, what we're asking for is just a a positive thing about Star Wars, something meaningful to you. We have a a great entry here from listener Brennan Marr today. Are you ready, Ken? I'm ready. All right. Brennan says, is someone who has been handicapped, and Brennan puts that in quotations, my whole life, I've had to deal with the inconveniences and setbacks that are a part and parcel of that existence. That being said, I've lived uh, for an entire life without feeling down about my situation. I've chosen to focus on the things that I have going well for me instead of the things going not so well, and that has made quite a difference in the outlook I have on life. A few years ago, I came to realize that I had unknowingly been living the philosophy taught by Qui-Gon Jinn in The Phantom Menace when he said, your focus determines your reality. Since I made that realization, I have used that philosophy in the way I view movies and shows, but more importantly, that's how I view my situation. Because of that, navigating the drawbacks that come with being disabled, and again, Brennan puts disabled in uh, quotation marks, seems almost non-existent because my focus is on what is going well in my life and what I have that's worth celebrating. In fact, because of this philosophy, I do not consider myself different from anybody else, and that has greatly helped my mental health situation. I always rankle at the idea that Star Wars doesn't have anything to say that could be applied to our lives because I have experienced it firsthand. I choose to focus on the positive, which is not, as some people insist, naive and unrealistic. Nothing can be gained by focusing on the negative, as Star Wars has taught us again and again. Thank you very much, Brennan. That is beautiful. Ken, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, Brennan Mystical Mars, a special, uh, special individual out there and has uh, absolutely uh, has a life full of uh, things we're celebrating, including being a, a Star Wars trivia champion. Hmm. Well, and we've had the chance to, we finally met Brennan and his dad at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. And I just, uh, I really look up to Brennan. His, his, uh, is that it's easy just look at the attitude as it as he's as he projects it and just kind of accept it as it is and I'm sure there's a long journey to get there I'm sure there's daily struggles that he still has but uh, that never uh, emerges when you're talking to him in fact he's very quite very funny I'll share a joke one time we were on a patreon hang I do um, on my personal page and he was like I'm, I'm gonna see you at uh, Star Wars celebration I said okay I'll look for you and he goes well I'm not hard to miss and it's just like it slayed me it was so funny and I just love his attitude and approach. And he's uh, working hard on his own Star Wars podcast, Page Turners, they or not. Uh, and uh, I really look up to him. And, and and he's so right. It is synced up with the words and wisdom of the Jedi and Qui-Gon. That is extremely well said. And yeah, uh, Brennan is great. Uh, he's always been such a, a kind and supportive and insightful uh, presence in the Star Wars discussion world. And this is just really, really uh, powerful to hear. I think I think of um, some of the great Obi-Wan quotes about like, yeah, the, the light side isn't, <laughs> you know, it mm-hmm. isn't easier. It, you, you, you choose it. And, and yeah. it isn't about denying anything that is a challenge. It is about mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Brennan is saying, focusing on the stuff that that gives you strength and helps you move forward. So it was a really beautiful and really uh, uh, helpful insights, I think. 
Yeah, and Brennan takes so much from all parts of Star Wars, but particularly the sequel trilogy. And it goes back to some stuff we were talking about earlier. You know, we can what if and, and poke and nitpick at, at any piece of media. I am in a place in my life where I'm, I don't want you to tear apart the sequel trilogy um, and not acknowledge someone like Brennan who gets so much from it. It's mm-hmm. it just not right to me. And I don't, you know, again, we can sit around a bar and, and go, yeah, time, when was that timeline? That, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But we're in an era with so much going on in the world, so much going on in our own lives that uh, it reads to be as discounting um, something of great purpose for another person. And that's uh, part of the way we choose to discuss Star Wars. Absolutely. Well, I think we made it through the entire episode without saying well said, but well said, Ken. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Brennan. Thank you to everyone who uh, had some uh, really fun and really thoughtful questions. That is our episode. Ken, you want to let people know where they can find us? I would love to. We're on Twitter for CenterPod. We're on Instagram as well. You can look for reels and stuff over there, but also on our YouTube page where we have shorts, essays, figure fights episodes, live events. Uh, and pretty soon, I think you're going to start being able to uh, differentiate podcast rebroadcast podcasts, which we have a lot on uh, YouTube, versus the other videos. Uh, some of that stuff is starting to roll out, so that's only going to help the experience on YouTube. Subscribe over there if you want. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast is available on Acast, iHeartRadio, and a lot of spots. Just search, you'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com/slash user/slash Force Center. Get a Speculate Responsibly shirt for Celebration Europe. Patreon.com slash Four Centers, where you can support us. Get in the Discord where fine folks like Brett and Mystical Mar are there every day having discussions about the things they love and even sometimes question in Star Wars, but in a great positive way. Find me at Cadnapsock or my website, Cadnapsock.com. Joseph, you got a lot going on. Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Instagram. I'm still on uh, Mastodon. I'm still on Twitter. Lots of places to find me. Uh, just search for Joseph Scrimshaw still on TikTok as well. And having some fun on YouTube with my not unboxing videos, posting them on YouTube as well. And uh, soon more comedy, more short films coming to YouTube. So uh, thank you for everyone who has joined me out there or is open to considering it. Uh, but for now, for myself for Ken, for all of the beauty and weirdness that is Gorian Shard, in my opinion. <laughs> this has been Cues of the Force. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.